0: Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch. What a Dwayne play. Wise makes the catch. What a play by Wise. Mercy. This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Shoeless Goat Podcast. We're a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined again by the mayor of Section 509 for now, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Nick. No, no hitter for the White Sox this week, so a little bit of a letdown there, but I got a couple of sweeps, including a one-game sweep that I'm counting as one. So, you know, things could be a lot worse. I'm, well, what are we, four and a half games up on the Twins? Life is good.
0: Yeah, Twins. Uh, what's more surprising, like the the Mariners and the Giants playing as well as they are, or the Twins playing as bad as they are?
1: The Mariners always start hot, man. I remember was it 2019 when like Tim Beckham hit like six homers in a uh, was it April, and and now he's a minor leaguer for the White Sox. So I, I do not believe the Mariners. All apologies <laughs> to our bosses up in Seattle, but do not do do not believe that the Twins. Though I, the fact that they just got. Boat race by the mighty Pittsburgh Pirates, who did give the cup some trouble, is a definitely a good thing for the White Sox.
0: Yeah, uh, Tim Beckham, life comes at you fast. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, but hey, he is in line for a call up to a a World Series contender. So who knows?
1: Hey, bring, rings last forever. All he's got to do is get one at bat.
0: Just ask Billy Hamilton.
1: Dad, hey, he Billy Hamilton earned his keep yesterday.
0: Oh yeah, it was didn't he uh, throw out from? Uh, left gunned field? a dude at
1: home. Yeah, who I don't remember. I think Willie Calhoun maybe was running, and he just gunned him at home from left. It was like by like three steps.
0: It was badass. Okay, um, so we'll start the week like we always do, talking Cubs and Sox and how the week went. Pat, we'll start with you because I went first last week. Give me a week recap of the White Sox.
1: Yeah. So overall, a pretty good week for the White Sox finished it at four and one. They're finally over 500 with a 12 and nine record in the year after failing in their previous seven bids to get to 500 over 500. So overall, not a bad week. Um, right now in the standings, they're in second, a game and a half back of the preseason favorite Kansas city Royals and four and a half up on the preseason basement dwellers, the Minnesota twins. So started off, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, who would have thought, um, April baseball, man. Um, So we started off actually finishing up that series against Boston, which was absolutely horrible. That Monday morning Patriots Day game at 10 a.m. Central, where Giolito, for like the first time since, uh, what was it, like 2018, got run off the face of the earth. They weren't like hitting the ball out of the park, but just not a good game. A lot of of hitting the changeup. Yerman Mercedes and Danny Mendick both pitched, so that tells you how that went. Um, Enough of that series, though. We then had a one-game sweep in Cleveland because Wednesday's game got snowed out, so I am sticking with that it is a sweep. Um, Easy one-game win, 8-5. Jose Abreu hit two homers, and Carlos Rodon unfortunately lost his bid to match Johnny Vandermeer with a consecutive no-hitter. We then went home to play the Texas Rangers, where it was another, another sweep, so the brooms were out a lot this week on the south side. First two games were pretty much a tale of two games. Friday, return of Dane Dunning, who got absolutely shelled, well, I'll take that back. First time through the order, shut down the White Sox. Second time through, absolutely shelled. Chased out in two and two-thirds with five earned runs. Yerman went four for four and got MVP chance, which was immediately followed by a guy running on the field and getting hit-sticked into a concrete wall when he got out in left field. Just a wild game on the south side Friday night. Uh, Saturday was a pitcher's duel. Dallas Keuchel got the job done there with a couple shutout innings. Nick Madrigal had a walk-off, beautiful uh, ending there. And then today, Sunday, another big offensive day, an easy win with half the bullpen being unavailable. Michael Kopeck was the star of the show there. He went, uh, what, five innings with 10 strikeouts, which I saw somewhere is that he is the only pitcher not named Jake DeGrom to do that this year. So when you and Jake DeGrom are the only pitchers to do something, that's a, probably a sign you're doing pretty damn well. Overall in the year, Kopech's got a 172 ERA and 27 strikeouts in 15 and two-thirds innings. So he is having a really good return to the lineup. Um, overall, like I said, though, pretty good week for the White Sox. Can't really complain when you sweep two of the, I guess, two in the quarter series on the week um, and get yourself into second place. So, yeah, life is good.
0: Yeah. Um, Giolito, going back to his start against Boston, absolutely got mashed. And immediately everyone was making excuses that he's not a morning person.
1: Oh, it's, he's not. I mean, clearly, I would. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It was that was bizarre because that was like the first time since he's been good that I remember a team just teeing off on the changeup. Like all of the hits were on changeups, like they were just sitting on it. So I don't know. Obviously, you know the whole thing. I think one of the other excuses that came up was uh, what's his name, Dave Roberts, stealing signs and people saying how good he is at finding pitchers tipping pitches, which I think is just a backhanded way to say was he were they stealing signs? But you know, it happens. I don't know
0: yeah and to go on that uh, not even to call him streaker just guy that ran on the field you're not giving him the full credit of absolutely deking the hell out of all was, the security guards for, until he got to all the way to the other side
1: it was wild cuz i was sitting down the first baseline so i just like yermans on se- uh, second base like pointing at the sky like pumping up the crowd mvp chants are coming down <laughs> then all of a sudden after, as the pitcher comes set i see the umpires throw their hands up and i'm like oh there we go he bought Like, Yerman's going to third, and then I look over my shoulder, and it's, no, some dude's running around with his arms up across the outfield, and the place is going nuts. It was a very, very weird swing in emotions, to say the least.
0: Yeah, that only happened once when I was working on the field at Wrigley. Um, It happened, like, twice in the season, but once when I was working. And it was this Yankee fan at a Cub Pirates game. He had to be six seven, like 280 pounds, just an, a massive <laughs> dude, and he was fast, right? So, like, I'm in left field. He comes all the way from right field, and he has deked and gotten past, like, three security guards. So then there's one security guard there, and then me. Um, so, the you like, wait, so
1: you laid him out.
0: So, wait, I was getting my shoulders ready, like rugby style <laughs> for it, like pumping my shoulders up and down. And, uh, one of the security guards, Keyston, big fan of his work, took him down. And then before I had to, thankfully that guy do would have wrecked me, but, um, we go into the dugout for like a rain delay later in the game and Kyle Hendricks starts making fun of me about how he saw me getting ready to like tackle the dude and how I would have gotten demolished. So uh, good times on the north side. Not, I don't condone running on the field. Think, of, think about your ball boys and security guards, please, before you do something like that.
1: Easy way to get a felony, though.
0: Yeah. It's uh, f- what is it? Felony trespassing. Yeah. Ever
1: since uh, the father son duo came up and uh, beat the living hell out of the Kansas city first base coach, I think in Oh three.
0: Yeah. So yeah, don't do that. Uh, spend the night in the, in the clink, I guess. <laughs> But uh, anyway, moving on, um, I'm going to do Cubs recap. <laughs> Clearly the best week for the Cubs. Uh, they went five and two on the week to improve to 10 and 11 um, and one, including a uh, four game winning streak or not, not five and two. I've got four and two. Sorry. I was giving them a little extra credit more than they were due. Uh, but in any case, you open up the series, uh, the week with a series against the Mets. No game Monday on Tuesday was a nice pitching duel, three, one victory. And then four, Finally, after a long wait, the bats came alive again. Uh, 16-4 to win for the Cubs against the Mets on Wednesday um, against Dave Peterson uh, on the mound. And then the rest of the bullpen absolutely continued to get shelled. And then they finally go for the sweep on Thursday against the Mets and get a 4-3 win and extra innings on a Jason Hayward hit uh, with the bases loaded. So it's not like one of those cheap um, guy on second, first guy gets a hit. I'm still not a big fan of that uh, extra innings rule, but it worked to the Cubs advantage as the home team. Um, And then the Brewers came to town again for the third series. The Cubs played the Brewers nine total times, um, you know, Ferris Bueller style nine times in the, in the month of April. Um, And the Cubs opened up uh, the series with a 15 to two win. Brian Anderson, doing what he does best at Wrigley field. Uh, and remember when he was a Cub doing the same thing, giving up a ton of runs. Um, but he did get hurt, hurt, got pulled pretty early and the bullpen did not help. So, uh, Cubs kind of went off in that one. And then the actual starting pitchers for the Brewers came to play, and the Cubs would drop the next two by a score of 4-3 to three at the hands of Freddy Peralta. And finally, Sunday, the rubber match sticks nothing against Brandon Woodruff. No knock on Jake Arrieta. Sunday, he gave up one run, two runs on the week. Um, Cubs still take the L, though, because they couldn't get any hitting. But all in all, a pretty good week. You'd uh, like to see them. Do better than three and six against the Brewers, especially with uh, six of those games being at Wrigley Field. But uh, alas, that's where they're at. Um, so, signs of life, I guess, is the best way to put it. Whole turnaround from last week's morose uh, rants. Yeah.
1: Number one, I feel probably a little dumb for saying, Has the torch been passed last week? Maybe a bit premature, but you know, I'll stand by it. Um, secondly, I'm kind of surprised you left out the most important, uh, and exciting part of the Cubs week. And that was Javi Baez hitting a super cool flyout to left center field, betting left handed.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> it was actually, a, I'm not, you know, you're like being sarcastic, but it was a super cool flyout, betting <laughs> left handed, right? Like, um, I, I get why teams kind of, I hate the, what teams do throwing at players, but when the Cubs do stuff like that, you're like, hmm, an immature person would take this the wrong way.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I don't, I don't like throwing at teams either. It's just that when I see like the MLB account posting that, I'm like, oh boy, like this is, we've seen this before. Hasn't he actually, hit, hasn't he hit a home run left-handed?
0: Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Maybe in the Maybe he like a base hit or something. I don't know. But if Jerman did this to, to finish off a four for four game, you would be all about it. So I don't even want to hear it.
1: No. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to deny that. I, Cause it wouldn't be true. And I'm not a liar.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like what the Cubs showed us. Um, I'm bringing this into the big story of the week is is the Cubs bats kind of coming alive. Chris Bryant flirting with a 300 batting average again. This, the rest of the team kind of coming around a little bit. Hobby Baez still struggling a little bit, but he's slugging, which is good. Uh, but pump the brakes, Cubs fans. Apparently, I'm the bummer of uh, this podcast. Uh, but it it looks to be that the Cubs are absolutely dominating. Uh, bad pitching which you should be doing I mean dominating more than usual putting up you know 15 16 runs but it's still bad pitching and then every time they actually have to face a good pitcher or an above average pitcher for that matter they usually don't do very well Um, I'll I'll be at nine of those games are against the Brewers so if you don't get to their starting pitcher you have to face that bullpen Uh, but in any case any talented pitchers the Cubs aren't really taking advantage of I guess it's good that they're finally taking advantage of some pitchers but they're not really doing it where it matters. Luckily, Jake DeGrom um, wanted an extra day of rest, so he completely missed the Cubs series. Um, but I'm sure that he got 15 strikeouts in his start, so I'm sure he, that rest did him well, but he probably would have gotten 17 against the Cubs.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. It's like last year when the White Sox just murdered left handed pitching, murdered the Royals and the Tigers, and were pretty much 500 against everybody else. That's enough to get you to the playoffs if you can do it. Over the course of all season, 162 is a much different story than 60, but, you know, I mean, if you can just beat up on all those mediocre or worse pitchers, you're, you're getting yourself to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, getting to the playoffs, but then once you get to the playoffs, you're only facing the good pitchers, mostly. So, I guess I have to remember my, my season expectations for the year is to win a wild card game, and that would be considered a win because it's just a playoff win um, that they haven't had in a while. So, um I guess this is the recipe to get to that situation. But um, of course, once the once, if, and when the Cubs are playoff bound, then I'll definitely want to see a little bit more.
1: Eh, We'll see. I mean, that would make my playoff prediction come true, which I don't know how I'm feeling now about uh, going with my hot take and leaving the Padres out, but alas, can't go back now.
0: Uh, Speaking of Padres, we have to do our weekly fuck Trevor Bauer segment. Uh, (laughs) Tatis going yard on him twice, and then uh, taunting him with the closed eye thing. First of all, I think the Trevor Bauer closed eye pitch is nothing. It means nothing to me. It's just like I I closed my eye, closed both eyes, right?
1: Like you, you're repeating the mechanics.
0: Yeah, I just I don't know why that's impressive. I like I love the Johnny Cueto rocking chairs and shimmies and stuff. I think that's impressive because you're you're messing with the timing of the batter closing my eye i mean what if i just did the whole podcast with the one eye right
1: you you can still see my face just like he can still see the strike zone you don't need it's not like hitting where you need the depth perception when you're pitching well i don't know maybe i mean i'm an amateur who knows but still
0: no it's it's absolutely ridiculous so anyway i love that tatis is giving him shit and then he tweeted out today a picture of him holding a child presumably his with trevor bowers face um, photoshopped onto it as if he's his daddy, which so far he has been. So,
1: Which that was, um, uh, what, after Trevor Bauer uh, retweeting the thing of him supposedly looking at the sign?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but who knows? Uh, I will say, though, Jake Arrieta is doing his part at my other prediction of possibly having a better ERA than Trevor Bauer uh, by the end of the year. I know they're really close to each other. Arrieta's might be a little better, but two, st- two starts this week and only giving up two runs, so... We'll That'll take, help. Yeah. So Pat, what's the uh the big white sox story for the week?
1: So other than Urman Mercedes getting a burger named after him, I'm gonna go with uh, Michael Kopeck, <laughs> kinda. Of, I mean, who how wouldn't that be a big story? But uh well, it's gonna be it's gotta be Michael Kopeck. I mean, the way he's come back after not pitching for two full seasons and really like he had a cup of coffee in twenty eighteen, and now like I said, he's got a one-seven two ERA and twenty-seven strikeouts and fifteen and two thirds innings. He's made two starts, albeit as more of an opener where he's throwing like four innings. Although today he did throw, I think, 85 pitches somewhere in that ballpark. So Tony was making me a little nervous there that he wasn't going to go with the hook. But overall, I think, you know, what he's shown is that he's the dominant pitcher he was back then. I mean, he may not be throwing 100 plus now, but he's a much better pitcher. He's just mowing guys down left and right, which then forces the issue of what do you do with you when you have a guy like this? Juxtaposed with Dylan Cease, who has not gotten out of the fourth inning the fifth inning once this entire season. It it kind of begs the issue, why is Kopech not starting? I think at least what I see happening and kind of where I want it to go is Kopech kind of does this. He's in the bullpen, multi-inning reliever, spot starting here and then to kind of break up the rhythm. Cease is in the lineup unless he completely falls apart. Um, By the time we get to September, though, if we get to the playoffs and say Carlos Rodon's cooled off and Dylan Cease is still pitching like this, I think Kopech is the four starter in the playoffs. You go Kopech for four, you go Crochet for three, and then you go to the bullpen from there. I think that's the only way you got to do it. But the, po- the problem with Kopech is, like Steve Stone pointed out on the broadcast today, he has an innings limit this year. And to be able to pitch in the playoffs, he can't hit that number before then. So as much as I'd like to see him go in every five days, not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't that be giving Kopech like the Seth Lugo treatment, like long relief and spot starting that uh, he was so successful with the Mets doing. I feel like that's a good recipe for a guy who has an innings limit for sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, I watched the Texas still and see start. I watched the full game cause it was a really good game. Um, and Cease ha- looked horrible in the first inning, got out of a much bigger jam than he should have, and then kind of settled in, but uh, the the erratic pitching was still there, which you just don't see from Kopech. Um, I think mentally they're probably pretty equal because they're both prone to to breaking down either mid-game or, or afterward, but in any case, I guess it's uh, time will tell. A good problem to have, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with Cease that's so weird, for lack of a better word, is it seems like every game... He's thrown like a hundred pitches in four innings. He seems like he's doing a horrible every start. And yet he gives up like two earned runs or like something like that. Like he never, he hasn't gotten killed in any of his starts. He just can't throw enough strikes to get out of the fifth inning, which over the course of the season, that's going to kill a bullpen. But I don't know. It was like Wednesday or Friday night. Like you said, like he, it, it seemed like he was pitching terribly, but he gave up like two runs.
0: Yeah. It wasn't what he gave up. It was how he looked yeah. on the mound. One, the, the, the pitching was all over the place, but two, he pouts a lot, um, seemingly. So, like, whenever he misses his spots or doesn't get a call, which a lot of players do, I'm not just singling him out, but when he's upset, you could see it on him, and so can the hitters. That's all, you know, that's all there is to that. But it's a lot.
1: Yeah, interesting thing, because, you know, you would have thought, like, what, when they got him from the Cubs and the e right, he was supposed to be one of the big guys, and now it's like, maybe he might be going the way of Ronaldo Lopez. Because next year, Kopech's starting. There's no question about that. Yeah. Like he's starting crochet. I don't know if they're going to go that route next year, but he's coming too. So he eventually ceases going to have to force the issue or he's getting pushed out.
0: For sure. Um, so we did get another no hitter this week um, debate debatable, but we did Very on debatable. Sunday um, Madison Bumgarner in a uh, double header game, which is only seven innings goes all seven, gives up no hits. Pat, what is your take on this being a no-hitter or not? And we didn't predict it, by the way, but we'll get into that. No,
1: no, it's not. I mean, it's seven innings. Like, tw- I, like I, I get the question of, like, oh, well, double in- in- double headers are seven innings, which I think is stupid, uh, by the way, because you're just changing the length of a game. It would be like the NBA deciding certain games are 10-minute quarters. But yeah. that aside, no, like, it's 21 outs. It's not a no-hitter. You, how many times have we seen, like, something from 21 to 27 happen? Like at like what two weeks ago now Carlos Rodon hits a batter in the foot. If it was twenty one innings, he would have had a perfect game. I like they can market it however they want. Like they can sell shirts. I don't really care. But like it's not like it's not the same. You have to go twenty seven innings. It's not like a pony league game where you go seven innings. It's not major league baseball. So blame MLB. Blame well, don't blame Madison Bumgarner because he pitched well. But like it's more on MLB. But to me, no, that's not a no hitter.
0: So you're gonna call me a liar, but he was in like my mental picks of the mental non non-confirmed sure picks he of the week. Was. I swear to God but it, you know uh the you're right I I wish I, I really want to call this a no-hitter but <clears throat> it didn't feel like one and when you saw the celebration afterwards Madison Bob was kind of like get away from me this is not you know yeah he I've it. seen Kyle Hendricks do this a couple times I think go pretty deep into no-hitters I mean how's did it too last year, maybe or two years ago. I can't remember, but anyway, yeah, it happens quite a bit. So it's not as impressive, um, but still uh, credit where credit's due. They'll sell some shirts. It'll be kind of a joke. It's going to keep happening too, by the way, this is the first of many times we have the unofficial no hitter. Um, but let's say they, let's say they do. Um, we should go back and try to find all the other pitchers that went seven innings and like, give them credit for a, um, a twenty twenty one no hitter.
1: Yeah, we'll just create the asterisk one like the Mickey Mouse no hitter and they'll all get in that club. It'll be it'll be fun for everybody. And yeah, they can sell more shirts. It's beautiful. Harkens back though, I think it was twenty seventeen maybe when Giolito threw a seven inning no hitter in the minor leagues. And it was kind of the same thing, where it's like it's not it's not it's not a no hitter. I don't know. You you can't convince me otherwise here.
0: Who was it last year that threw like a was it Giolito threw a five inning complete game or a complete game shutout and you were bragging about it? Yeah,
1: no, it might have been two years ago, but yeah, I remember that he threw it was like, yeah, it was a rainout game where he threw like five innings. And I was like, here we go, first complete game shutout of the year. But
0: yeah. That, like, that, it, I mean, that's the joke.
1: Yeah, but like, exactly. Like, and, a complete game is technically well. No, I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to disprove my point. But no, it's not like I was going to say how oh, a complete game. Do is not stationary. bring
0: up counter arguments to your main point, Pat. Come on, you know yeah, this. Yeah,
1: I got to stop here. Um, but before <laughs> I go, no, like again, not a no hitter. I, it, there's just no no convincing me here. It's not it. It. it I, I don't need to talk about it anymore.
0: Okay, um, we're going to stay on the topic though <laughs> because last week uh, we both picked. Because there's been a no-hitter a week now in baseball, technically or untechnically, if that's even a word. Um, so we had Joe Musgrove. We had, of course, Carlos Rodon. And uh, now Madison Bumgarner, I guess we'll count that-ish for now. Mickey Mouse. Um, so we, Mickey Mouse, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we've decided to do a pick of our own. And you picked DeGrom, who had an amazing game, 15 strikeouts, complete game, shutout. I picked Casey Mize who absolutely got shelled. Uh, But I think what we're going to do is every week we're going to pick a no-hitter pick, but also it's going to compound on the previous picks. So eventually by the end of the year, we'll have a pretty thick roster of uh, potential no-hitter candidates if it doesn't hit already. And I kind of want to make this interesting, Pat, and I think you will uh, hate the punishment as much as I will. Um, Whoever doesn't pick one or if, if one occurs, whoever gets it first, Um, we'll do an opposite Jersey kind of thing, but not as in you wear an opposite Jersey, like on the show or something, we go to a, either we go to a Sox game in which the Cubs aren't playing and you, and you wear a Cubs Jersey. So you look like that asshole fan who doesn't care about either of the teams or inversely. Um, we go to a Cubs game where the Cubs are playing, I don't know, let's say the Reds and I wear a white Sox Jersey.
1: Oh, that's tough. You know what though, I'm a I'm a gambling man. I'll do it.
0: All right, I'll, I'll sign so, up for it. So with that being said, I'm glad we're in on it. I I didn't tell you the punishment until we no. were live, so I think that's I important. Can't back out
1: now. It's too late.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um. So who is your no hitter pick for the week to join Jacob Degrom on your your journey to uh, perfection?
1: Okay, so like Jake Degrom, I need somebody that's really freaking good at pitching. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go the route of what about this guy like the Carlos Rodon style. I'm not gonna go down that road. Um. I need somebody that's going to play bad teams a lot. So I am going with Corbin Burns on the Brewers. He's going to play the Pirates. They're going to play the Pirates 20 times this year. The Pirates suck. He's striking out, what, 40 guys with no walks. I'm going with him. I think, to me, that's uh, one of the safer picks.
0: I like it. How often, though, do the best pitchers get no hitters? Well, It doesn't happen very often. No,
1: it's tough. That's why it's – I mean – yeah, I don't – was Giolito – no, Giolito was – he was probably one of the only – I think he was the only all-star caliber dude to get one last year. But I, like – the other thing is, like, how far down the rabbit hole do I go, though, to, to try to pick these reclamation projects that got one?
0: Yeah, I mean, but you think about it. Like, the last ones we've seen, right, uh, besides Bumgardner, he had Rodon, Alec Mills. Giolito was was one. But, like, there's weird – They the weird guy gets him. I mean, I got one, like, three years ago. He hasn't really – you know, I pick him to be good every year and he never Les really we forget is Phil Umber, Phil Umber, uh, check swing assist, you know, all that stuff. But uh, in any case, a swing. I am going uh, a little bit obscure, but not too obscure with Zach Wheeler. Um, I want Ooh. him on the squad. I, I was like thinking you what?
1: I don't like that pick. He turned down more money from my guys.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go with like either white Sox division rivals um, or, or, people that have spurned the White Sox faithful, which is a long list, actually. Um, But in any case, oh, should there be? We'll think of this later. This is a lot now. But so right now you have DeGrom and Corbin Burns. I have Casey Mize and Zach Wheeler. We're going to post a list um, as it grows. What happens if it's the Cubs or the White Sox that get no hit?
1: Ooh. That is a, yeah, we got to come up with something for that. Um, We'll
0: think of that later. We'll definitely do a reveal next week of what that is. And we're going to have to brainstorm, not live. So, um, in any case, a fun little thing to add. Uh, Speaking of fun, we're moving on to our favorite uh, segment. The LinkedIn player profile for those that don't remember. The LinkedIn player profile is where we go through the life of a former Cub, former White Sox, uh, using LinkedIn as a primary source. Maybe we'll invoke some fun memories about a player. Uh, I'm going to continue to go first this week uh, with a player that played for both teams by the name of Mike Olt, which um, I'm pretty sure we might have done him in the past, but we probably didn't do a very good job. Uh, either one of us might have because of the fact that he was on the Cubs and the White Sox. Uh, but in any case, we're going to go this way anyway. So Mike Olt was a first round supplemental first round draft pick by the Texas Rangers uh, 49th overall. But he was part of the trade to the Chicago Cubs uh, in the Matt Garza deal that also brought Justin Grimm's and CJ Edwards and a player to be named later. One of my favorite relievers that never got a full shot, Neil Ramirez um but in any case it didn't go well for uh, old as he uh, started his cubs career because he had uh vision problems as the eye drops he was given raised the chance of developing glaucoma so he batted 168 in his first time around in in Iowa um Jesus. And they blamed his vision. Um, and then he had some, I believe, some corrective surgery. And we thought he would be better. And it, it never really happened. But in any case, uh, he made the opening day Cubs roster, um, though, because Cubs manager Ricky Renzi, Ria, of course, suggested Old would split time at third base with Luis Valblena, Valbuena, RIP. Um, and Old hit his first Major League home run on April 3rd and his first Grand Slam on May 8th. So he was doing pretty well uh, and then was demoted back down to Iowa because he was batting 139. Um, in any case, uh, with Valbuena, Valbuena, I keep messing that up, was traded in the offseason. Uh, the Cubs went with Olt as their starting third baseman, of course, because Chris Bryant needed more time in the minors, a specific number of, uh, amount of time. But in any case, they needed they Mike Olt with his career. Uh, batting average of 168 to be more MLB ready than Chris Bryant. in any case, uh, his time in between Iowa and the Cubs didn't go so well after Chris Bryant uh, came up. And he was designated for assignment only to be picked up by the White Sox on waivers, where he finished out the year with them in 2015. Um, So I I think you remember pretty fondly about Michael's time on the South Side. In any case, uh, I went to his LinkedIn because, of course, this is what the segment is all about. And it's pretty standard. Uh, He went to UConn, got a bachelor's degree in communication and media studies uh, from 2008 to 2010. So good for him. And then list his baseball career Um, in this order. Texas, White Sox first, then Cubs, and then Padres and Red Sox. So the Padres and Red Sox were teams that he uh, was in the minors for. But it's kind of weird that he lists the White Sox first uh, before the, the cubs which i found t- t- to be pretty interesting um but in any case from numeric or from i guess sequentially anyway um and then what is he doing now well he's been working at chandler bats so they make bats for folks it looks like uh, he was first the full-time sales mlb sales rep so going around trying to get players to use the bats um And then now he is the national sales manager full-time out of Pennsylvania. So he's been doing that for the last year and a half. So uh, I guess his argument is if you can't see, you can still hit with Chandler bats. So that's exciting stuff. In any case, that is your Cubs LinkedIn player profile of the week, former Cub, former white Sox, Michael.
1: Yeah. I think I remember him being one of those guys where it's like, Oh, if they can just figure it out, this guy is going to be good. And then like a month later, he got DFA would or something
0: like that. But
1: this made me think one of these weeks we're going to show up here and we're both going to have the same player. Statistically, I'm, it has to happen.
0: It does, right? If we, if we continue this show in perpetuity until the days we perish, eventually it's, we'll get one. It's like right? a
1: Shakespeare monkey theorem. Like Eventually it's going to happen.
0: It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. A, my, fa- <laughs> my favorite <laughs> Simpsons line of all time. Uh, anyway, Pat, who do you have for uh, White Sox LinkedIn player profile? Yeah, so this
1: week I'm going with Duane Dave, actual first name Amos, who is a relief pitcher for the Sox. through a couple games back in the 2011, 27, 2000, 2007 season. Numbers are hard. Um, after coming to the White Sox by way of the Rule 5 draft. So he started off his career with the Blue Jays, came to the White Sox in 05, came up a couple of times in 2007, never really did too good, pitched 13 games, had an ERA north of 11 with more walks than strikeouts, things that are typically not good when you're trying to pitch the baseball in the major leagues. Um, As you could probably infer then, he got waived, bounced around a little bit, went to the Red Sox, I believe the Rays then, um, and then finished up his playing career with the Newark Bears in the Atlantic League. Um, so what is he doing these days? Well, pretty actually successful post playing career uh, for a year and six months. He was a client relationship manager with sports management partners doing branding and marketing for major and minor league guys. Uh, he then moved on to Nike where he was for two and a half years as a brand marketing professional before moving on to brand manager and being a regional sales rep for American elite molding, no description. So I have no idea what that entails. Finally, uh, came back home, went back to Nike, and is now a uh, field rep for their baseball division in New York. So he's doing pretty well for himself. Um, Got an MBA back in 2013 and a Master of Sports Business Management in 2014. Uh, So, you know, hey, doing pretty well. A couple of volunteerings. Has uh, endorsements in baseball, which, you know, I see Junior Spivey here. That's a name that brings me back. Um, oh, yeah. Sports. Yeah. Former Brewer. I once saw him hit a home run in an exhibition game against the and Sox.
0: Diamondback. And if I'm not mistaken, in MVP baseball, 2003, he was a 97 in speed. So there's oh, he that. was, he was,
1: he was, I think he was supposed to be one of those top prospect type guys. But um, yeah. So junior Spivey endorsed him for baseball, how they know each other. I'd probably have to do more research on, but Hey, um, yeah, that's a uh, Duane day. I vaguely remember him pitching back in 2007. I think it was at a game. I went to where the Twins put up like four. It was a doubleheader, and I'm pretty sure the Twins put up 40 runs combined. Like the first game, the final score is like 20 to 15, and then the Twins like murdered the Sox game too. And it was the most runs ever scored in a single day in Major League Baseball history. So definitely empty the bullpen there, and that's where this guy got his uh, got his uh, throws in.
0: Um, so to clarify, elite molding would be molding at an elite level. If you were curious,
1: what kind of molding? Who's to say? But.
0: You know, it could be sculpting. It could be just the molding uh, within, I don't know, a house or something like that. Uh,
1: who knows? Could be molding the youths of America. Who knows?
0: Yeah. In any case, also, if my name was Amos, I would probably keep it, um, as it is, of course, a biblical name for one of the, uh, I believe, one of the prophets that got kicked out of town for calling the women fat cows. So
1: a- Amos Day would have been a really cool baseball name. Just got to say, that sounds like something out of the early 1900s.
0: For sure, or, you know, we have abandoned the segment, but uh, we may have to revive it now. The uh, the what was it? The 19th century baseball player of the week.
1: <laughs> That's the only way Sad Sam Jones is still remembered.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, in any case. That concludes our episode of the uh, Shoeless Goat Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. You can listen to our podcasts on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to them. But, of course, we're going to end the episode like we always do with a question that Pat has not heard yet, and it's not a punishment about no-hitters. Um, it is, simply put, what will Yerman Mercedes batting average be at the end of the year?
1: That's tough. Um, cause part Because so, part of me wants to say he's a power hitter, but... Unlike a lot of other guys, one strike, two strike, or one strike or no strikes, basically he just does the super high leg kick and tries to murder the ball 480 feet out of the park, which he has done twice. And then two strikes, he doesn't stride. So he actually does change his approach. So that, you know, makes me think it's going to go up. Then again, he's hitting 415 and his BABIP is pretty much at 500 right now, which last I checked is probably not sustainable. Um, I'm going to say, hmm. you know what, I'm going to go with... 270. My reasoning is, I think he has a good enough hitting approach where he's going to hit well as long as he's getting a full-time full time chance. He's going to go through a slump. Everybody does. He's not going to hit 400. I don't mean, think he's going to hit 350. Um, but I think with Eloy not coming back till you know probably September or August at the earliest, he's going to be their DH most of the year. I think, you know, mixing a couple slumps there, he's probably had his hottest streak of the year so far. I'd say I'll, I'll pencil him in somewhere between 270, 280.
0: So I mentally had him at 278. So we're we're on the same page there. Um that would, you know, probably put him in one of our former questions in the top five for Rookie of the Year. If he keeps it up, we shall see. Love to see those 28-year-old Rookie of the Year candidates.
1: No, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like it's kind of like Daniel Polka a few years ago, but where Polka just kind of tried to rip the ball literally every single pitch. Yerman at least adjusts his hitting approach, which I think is something that he probably doesn't get enough credit for. Um he, right now he's just kind of the funny guy that's going around. Uh, having a burger named after him pointing to the sky after every hit, uh, trying to hit the ball a country mile. But the other thing that's kind of come to my mind about the whole yearman thing is there is an alternate reality where Eloy never gets hurt. Jonathan Lou Croy and Zach Collins make the team and the Sox are better than they are now, but we miss out on all this fun. So which scenario is better? I mean, that's the beautiful thing about baseball.
0: Uh, real quick before we end up, there was a profile when the Sox picked him up after he had spent all those times in like low A ball and all that. Um, I think it was on Fangraphs, and the uh, the author said that Yerman Mercedes's ceiling is to be a folklore hero on the South Side. I
1: mean, yeah, you
0: think? think I mean, that.
1: as, that's repression. I mean, but like he just fits the bill so well. He's got the headband, the armbands, the gold chains, the burger named after him. Like. Like I said, like what? Whoever had Burman Mercedes getting MVP chance after going for four for four in an April game on the White Sox twenty twenty one season bingo card has already won.
0: Like, oh, absolutely! That 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 gets you four free spaces automatically. That's so. like yeah, the game's
1: over then. If you had that, it's over. none of us <laughs> yeah. did. So luckily, we can still continue with the show, but
0: absolutely so excellent stuff thank you again pat that concludes our episode uh remember to check out our articles as well on San chicago i will be dropping monthly relief pitcher rankings once i take the time to actually calculate all of them uh but in any case take a look out for that as well uh we will be back next week go cubs go white sox go baseball and remember yadi molina is not a hall of famer have a great week